Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 173, Choice and Regret. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Changeable. I want to have a conversation with you about this thing we call choice and this thing we call regret. So these concepts, and that's all they are is concepts. You can't, you can't touch choice or regret. You can't experience them with your senses. They're thought, right? You could think about them, but we experience them through thought, but, but they're thoughts, they're concepts. They, these two in particular, choice and regret, I think are two that are so completely full of assumptions, more thoughts that are not examined, that we just absolutely take as, oh, this is just how it is and this is what's happening, than maybe any other concepts. I mean, they're they're up there. And consequently, these concepts of choice and regret lead to a ton of suffering for people. And that's because, again, it's an unexamined idea. It's something that we think, well, of course, I, I had that choice. I made the right choice. I made the wrong choice. Of course, I regret. Like they, they show up for us and we, they're, just, they're just bought instantly. <laughs> we just buy into them. They're not examined very frequently, even when we're suffering, which, of course, our suffering is there to show us, hey, you're believing a stack of lies how often do we really feel the pain of regret or the agony of making some choice? And that pain or that agony wakes us up to the fact that we're believing a stack of lies. Sometimes, hopefully more for you than before and probably more for you than people who don't listen to this pod, this kind of podcast or aren't in this sort of conversation. But still, but still all the time, you know, we feel these things as if the way our mind is is selling them to us is just the way it is. So let's look at this a little bit more. So part of what brought this to mind for me recently, why I, I wanted to turn this into a podcast is um, I was having a conversation with one of my change coaches who's going through some health stuff. And she had to make a choice, has to make a choice about um, like this procedure over that procedure. So she has a couple options in terms of her health. And there's not, obviously, if it's a choice, there's not a clear winner. It's not like, you know, this is obviously what you're going to do. There's pros and cons to either way. So we were talking and she was telling me, and I'm kind of just just paraphrasing for illustration's sake, but She's basically saying, okay, here's what happens. Every time I have a choice to make like this, the same pattern shows up. I go into research mode. I go into pro or con mode. I research like crazy. I find all the data. I talk to people. She's aware, by the way, that she's doing that from a, through a filter <laughs> because, of course, we are, right? We, we only experience our own bias perception. So, Even something that our mind wants to say, well, it's research. Well, it's, you know, I I read it in a medical journal. Well, yeah, but you didn't read every word in every medical journal and then see it in an objective way. So our mind still has lots of ways of of, um, taking in something like research or data or facts in a way that is not even remotely objective. But 
Anyway, I think she's kind of on to that. But still, this is the pattern that happens. She goes into research and data mode, asks opinions, gathers everything, sits with it, maybe agonizes over it a little bit, um, arrives at something that feels like a decision or a choice. And she says, and then shortly thereafter, she regrets it. And she could point to several times, you know, when this is happening, when this has happened in her life. And and I love, like, even in this conversation, the way she's presenting this and saying it, she's not fully bought into it, you know? She's like, yeah, here's how it goes, you know? She's a little bit bought into it, perhaps. It still maybe looks more real, as it would for any of us maybe in the moment, because um, it's her life and her details and and, you know, the feeling she's the one who's going to experience the energy, the feeling of regret or the feeling of making a choice. Um, but there's some degree of seeing, yep, this is kind of what plays out. And just hearing that, again, it, it just, from where I was, it's so incredibly clear. Wow, there's a process playing out that is only in her mind only in thought, only in her imagination. And I think, and I want to put this out to you as a what if, I don't want to say that this is the way it is because it doesn't matter how I see it. But what if that mental imagination, thought created process of doing the research, evaluating the options, proing and conning, making a decision, regretting it or not regretting it perhaps, what if all of that plays out and it has absolutely zero to do with what actually happens? In other words, if life is living us, if we are being lived all the time, we see what we see, we, we have an experience of evaluating whatever we have an experience of evaluating, we have an experience of some something that maybe feels like clarity, although sometimes it doesn't, kind of pushing us toward one option over another. We have an experience of, okay, here's my choice. We have an experience of, yay, I made the right choice, or boo, I made the wrong choice. We experience all of that, no question. (laughs) But what if that has absolutely nothing to do with the procedure that happens? What if that has nothing to do with the research that's undertaken, with the conversations, with the due diligence that goes into things before an action is taken? In other words, what if the narrator is up there just talking this whole thing through as if it's making everything happening happen, and it really isn't, not even a little bit. <laughs> Life is unfolding independent of the narration. Whether this is the case or not, whether there is a true independence there kind of isn't even the point. So, so please, as you're listening, don't get hung up on that. The point is we totally don't think that that's the case. <laughs> like we, in the moment of it, right, in the living of it, for the most part, most of us are 100% convinced. We don't even question it. It's just, a, it's just a given that, well, of course, I'm doing research and I'm getting wiser and I'm making choices and I made that choice and I made a right one or a wrong one. Like we, we are so completely immersed in that process, so identified with thought and the narrator 
in that process that it wouldn't even occur to us that none of that (laughs) is doing anything. It's funny to even think about that none of that is doing a darn thing. That life is living us and this is all being played out far beyond our mind talking about it and taking credit or blame for it. So again, when I say like, what if these two things have zero to do with each other? Don't hang on that if you can. Like, don't don't try to prove that right or wrong. But but just lean into that as a what if, because it really starts to open this up. I think to get us to get us even leaning in the direction of considering that they aren't as intertwined as they've looked our entire lives, as all of our conditioning tells us that they that you know the research is causing is leading to the choice. You're making the choice. The regret is because of a choice. Like. What if all of that is just full of assumption? So here's how I think it might look. And again, don't take this as exact. Just kind of see what makes sense. What if, what if when we feel like we're making a choice, when we have the experience of making a choice, what's really going on is something like, well, life is living us. Action is taken. Things are occurring. We're we're just doing, you know, we're doing whatever is there to do. It's being done through us. And then our mind has certain conversations that come up, thought, thought comes up in certain patterns that kind of contribute to create this illusion that there's a choice being taken. So one of those is around um, some kind of intention. Like like my coach, like she knows, okay, I, there's, I have to choose. Am I having this procedure or that procedure? Which direction am, am I going to go in here? So there's an intention. There's an intention for her to think about this and figure it out. So there's some sort of like intention thought, like, okay, I have to make a choice. That's, that's one type of thought that shows up. Now, again, what if life's got it, like choices will be made, things will happen, action will take place. Things are always happening. And her mind is just coming in saying, okay, well, there's a choice to be made. And that's part of this process that makes it feel like she's making a choice. But again, what if that's just a thought? Now, we've never looked at this for the most part. I'm generalizing, I know, but like we don't look at that. We don't we don't say wait a minute. Where's the evidence that this thought I need to make a choice actually did anything? Why couldn't that just be some other rando thought like we have thousands of every single day? You know, like why do we think that choice actually did something? Well, I mean, I think it's clear to see why because action action happened in the world. Something happened in the world. But really look at that relationship. Just because a thought shows up that says, I need to make a choice, and then something happens, doesn't mean we made a choice. It just means these two things co-occur forever together, and we assume that we made the choice. Okay, so the intention thought or something like that is part of this process. I think... I think another one, and these may not be all that different, but it might be helpful just to just to look at them, is this whole idea of volition or 
control or or even choice, will, right? Like when she's when she's looking at these options, she says, I have to make a choice intending that something will happen. But also in that is this bit about, you know, and it's up to me. It's up to me. Like I have some control. I have some volition here. They're not going to tell me which one I'm going to do. It's up to me. I'm the one who gets to choose it. So it puts a little bit on us for better or worse. I mean, that could feel great. That could feel like, oh, I'm empowered. You know, my doctor's letting me make the choice. It, It could feel like a heavy burden. I'm sure it feels like both for all of us all the time, back and forth, right? But what if that is nothing but a thought as well? So in other words, just because a thought shows up that says, I get to choose, you know, I have options here and I'm going to make a choice and then some action is taken, doesn't mean that we did the choosing. It looks that way when we don't examine it. The world is telling us that. The world is reflecting back, oh, good choice. (laughs) bad choice, good for you, bad for you. Like we're getting that feedback our entire lives. So all of our conditioning is putting these things together as if, as if we did it and we had will and volition and control and, and our intention and all of that came together and made it happen. But when you look, when you really look at your experience, how, how do those things, thoughts, which are really just thoughts that arise, how do those make something happen? It's a, it's a weird question. It's weird for me as I, as I ask it right now, but how would a thought make an action be taken? Okay, let's take this a little weirder. <laughs> One step deeper. Also built into this whole illusion of choice. Now, again, I, there, I'm sure there may be many things you could, you, someone else could, could uh, have this exact same conversation and maybe come up with other thoughts, but this is just what's, what's occurring to me. There's something around an intention. There's an intention thought. There's some kind of control or will or volition thought. And there's obviously a chooser thought, right? So there's like, I'm going to make this decision. I have the will and the volition to make this choice. Again, now we get into lots of potential for lots of suffering because now I'm trying to not say her name and it keeps popping into my head just to preserve her anonymity. But now I'll call her Lucy since uh, I already called somebody in my book Lucy. Her name is not Lucy, by the way. Now Lucy has to make the choice what is she going to do? Procedure A, procedure procedure B. Lucy intends to make a choice. She believes, there's a thought that believes there's a Lucy that that is in control of this. And it's on Lucy. (laughs) Like Lucy's the one making it. But again, look, don't just assume, don't just believe it. Don't just like listen to the entire world echo this back to us. Good job, Lucy. Great choice. Look, where is she? And where's her control? And where's her intention? And how is it all being executed to to result in some 
living of life, some way that life is living her, that she's on the operating table having A or B done. Like the what if, what if all of that is just a bunch of thinking? What if that is all thought that arises? There's a choice to be made. There's a me to make it. And here I go, I'm making it. What if all of that is a mental conversation? And again, just for sake of argument, completely independent of that mental conversation, life's loving us and things are occurring and things are moving forward and life is happening and choices are made. So again, I don't want to like, I'm not saying this just, just to, just to argue or to, to or to make this feel really, uh, divorced from real life. Like this is incredibly practical. So again, I hope, I hope it's clear that I don't, I'm not trying to encourage you to completely separate these things and like make up some new mental model where we're kind of robots that are just lived by life. And then this conversation's happening. I I just want to crack the door open and I'm doing it by, by slamming the door wide open (laughs) just to, just to see if we can get in here a little crap. Like what if the I'm doing it and here's what's being done is a conversation that isn't really living anything. It's thought and something beyond thought or, you know, bigger than thought, uh, encompassing thought is living us all the time. What this does, now what this can start to open up is, I hope you can feel it, enormous freedom. Now, I will say that sometimes before that enormous freedom, (laughs) we feel stuff that doesn't feel like enormous freedom. It may actually feel like the opposite of enormous freedom because if we've been comfy in our in our assumptions that hey I'm in charge and I have lots of volition and I'm making it all happen and if I have an intention I'll make a choice that can feel comforting now it's also going to hurt at times that that's the roller coaster option like that's where you know we we're either we get all the credit for the great success of the good choice or we get all the crushing blame and regret and guilt for the bad choice so that's the that's the roller coaster way to go through life. Huge ups and huge downs. And I would almost argue that the huge ups really aren't that huge because as soon as you're on an up, you kind of know you're on a down. It's uh it's a lot of work. It's a it's a lot on you. This idea of you if if you're making all the right and wrong choices. I know I've experienced that a million times. Things go well and instantly it's like, okay, now what? What's next? Like, how do I maintain it? What if I lose it? And I think that's just pretty human when it looks like we're pulling all the strings. So so it may feel a little uh, unsettling for sure to kind of lean into this, like, okay, what if the conversation isn't actually living me? What if life is living me? And then there's a conversation about how I'm living me. That can feel a little helpless or like, oh my gosh, what if I have no control? But I promise right on the other side of that is enormous freedom, enormous freedom, because it's not on you. You can't do it right. You can't mess it up. You don't even have to do it. There is nothing that has to be done by this little us. And again, we can take this even further and look at what this little us even is. So it it is a, a peeling away of so many beliefs and layers of responsibility and thought that just start to feel super heavy as we go through life. So there's a, a lot of potential in this. 
Okay. And then when we look at regret, look at these, this concept of regret. Regret is, oh man, I did the wrong thing. <laughs> now, by this point in this conversation, I'm guessing you're seeing, oh yeah, well, what that makes absolutely no sense if we're not actually living life, if life is living us, if life is being lived through us and we're just kind of along for the ride in the best possible way. It doesn't make any sense at all that that we would feel guilt or regret because look at what those require. Again, there, there's so many unquestioned, unquestioned assumptions and guilt and regret, but look at what they require. Regret requires there to be like there, it could have gone another way. So what if what we experience as regret is actually simply a thought that says, or a series of thoughts, one that says, I did it wrong. I did it. Because again, if it's like, if something just goes away, we don't want it to go, but it has nothing to do with us. Well, I don't know, not to get into words, but I think that's probably something more like disappointment. You know, like, oh, it rained today and I didn't want it to rain today. I'm disappointed. I don't feel guilty that it rains. I don't regret that it rains because I didn't do it, but I might be disappointed. Well, that's a really different feeling than, than guilt and regret. I mean, guilt and regret are the things that lead to illness and depression and anxiety and all kind and addiction and all kinds of things. Disappointment, not so much because there's not this story of me in there. It's not all on your shoulders. So it's much easier to move through something like disappointment. So, so there's disappointment for sure. It should have gone some other way, but it's, it's a thought that says, I was in control of this. I made the choice, right? So your intention and your volition control thought and your I thought are all necessary to spit out regret or guilt at the other, at the other end of that. And again, what if all of those are simply thoughts that show up. So when Lucy does all her research, makes a choice, and then her mind says, oh man, I probably should have gone the other way. What if life was playing out exactly how life played out, the only way it could, because that's the way it did. And her mind just has this conversation about Lucy this and Lucy that, and here's what you intend. And yeah, you made the choice and boo, you made the wrong choice. And I love how, again, in talking with the real life Lucy about this, she sees it. She says, this always happens, which is like, hello. I mean, of course, like th this always happens, whether she's choosing and of course I'm exaggerating, but she, you know, when she chooses anything that looks important to her in her mind, this is a pattern that comes up because it has nothing to do with life living us. It has nothing to do with the procedure she's going to have or her health or her ability to, to take in information or any of that. It's a repetitive habitual conversation that we innocently assume is actually narrating real events as if that's what's going on. We confuse the conversation with the physical output in our lives. You know, we think that because a mind is saying, I'm choosing this and not that, we believe it. But truly, <laughs> look again. I love this so much. Like, just look again. 
could it be that the conversation is independent from life living us? And if that's the case, can you feel the enormous freedom in that? There would be nothing to regret that like regret and guilt would not even make sense. Agony over a choice or a decision would not even make sense. The pressure we feel when we think it's on us to choose wouldn't even be there. I think it's interesting how easy it is to see this in some cases and how hard it is to see this in other cases. So when it's someone else, first of all, it's much easier to see than when the conversation is all about me, me, me in our heads, right? So when it's about you, of course, it's harder to see and only because the thought feels more real. Like we just have a harder time seeing thought as thought when when this character of me is the subject of it. There's, the stakes are high. The conditioning is thick. Like we're just in there with it when that's the case. When it's someone else, it's easier. And I think, I don't know, there's a, there's a time element and time is just a concept as well. It's just thought. But there's a time element that, that sometimes seems uh, to play a role. So, so I know someone who made some, had some, she didn't really make these choices, but some things happened in her life about 25 years ago. So it was around like a marriage breaking up and some stuff that happened with their kids and her life and all of that. Now she was, you know, she was young, life happened like that, that it played out the way it played out. And here she is 25 to 30 years later, just in constant guilt about it, constant guilt to the point that her health suffers, her, her peace of mind suffers. I mean, it's like, she wakes up in the morning, her eyes open, and, and that train of habitual thought about what she did wrong and how it should have gone and, and how could she have and what if she does it again, it just picks up as soon as she wakes up. And even when she's doing other things, it's almost like she's identified so much with that thought over the years that it, it kind of gets carried with her. You know, it's, it may not be even consciously in her mind, but this is how, this is what we do. And we don't, we're not doing it, but this is what happens is it's like, we've on some level identified so strongly with something and, and kind of agreed and decided, yeah, like this, like, it just looks like this is, this is true. This is how it is. This is me. This is the truth of my life. And even when we're happy and distracted and doing other things on some way, it's kind of it's kind of there in the back of our mind. It's still like this little background thought. So anyway, this wonderful, amazing woman has lived with this for almost 30 years and it's just there a lot. And it's just full of thick and heavy story. And now even when I tell you that, you don't have to know her or you know, even know anyone in that situation. Can't you see? Like, come on. Could you really have done things differently 25 years ago, did you even do those things? Like, how can you even take the credit or blame for anything that was done that long ago? Of course, you did what made sense in the moment. Like, action just happened. It, it, it couldn't have gone any other way. And look at the heaviness of carrying that around and being 100% sure that 
it was wrong and that you did do it and that you could have done it differently. You can see all these thoughts coming in, the intention as if what she did was intentional and it totally wasn't. The control as if she had all these options and she purposely in some willful way chose the one she chose. It, it, it just didn't play out that way. The, the her in this equation, you know, all the thinking, which is really what crushes her of what kind of person she must be and what she did to her children and, and all that personal me, me, me stuff in there. It is clear to see, I, I think for probably everyone, not just me who deals in this stuff every day, but I think for all of you listening, just listening to that story, oh my gosh, like you didn't do it and you weren't to blame and your guilt today does nothing. It's nothing but just habitual thought today. And that situation, that scenario I just described is no different than any other scenario. That is no different than when you're the main character in the story. And that it happened 25 years ago is no different than if it happened five seconds ago. It's just easier to see. It's just easier to see when I tell you about my friend who you don't know and you imagine this and you're like, yeah, well, get over it. She, of course she should let that go. It wasn't her. It wasn't her fault. Like it's so clear to see. Yet when you're the character in the story and the intention thought is about you and the choice thought is about you and it just happened and you're feeling the energy of it just happening, you're, you're feeling the regret and the guilt and all of that. Now it looks different and it's not different. Now it looks and feels like a really different experience that of course is stickier and that's fine. Of course it will. Of course it will feel that way. And it's not different. There is nothing different about these scenarios. But the way thought and feeling happen to be showing up and that they're just more easily identified with, they're more easily believed in that case. So I don't know. I hope this is helpful. I hope that in some way you can see choice and regret both, which are which are one and the same, really. They're two sides of the same coin. Without without choice, there's no such thing as regret. There just is no regret if we didn't make the choice. If if things happen the way they happen and life lives us and there are no mistakes regret and guilt don't even make any sense. They just don't fit in that equation. And what if what we call choice and my choice at that is full of a bunch of assumptions that we just have never questioned? What if life is living us and things are unfolding exactly as they're unfolding? And separate from that, there's a conversation about I did it and I'm choosing and I'm in charge and I did it right or wrong. If you want to help people end habits or find freedom from anxiety or needless worry, I can teach you how in the Change Coach Training and Certification Program. In the Change Coach Training Program, you'll spend six months immersing deeply in this understanding with me and with an incredible group of people that will quickly become like family. You get to observe and debrief a ton of coaching sessions before doing a lot of coaching yourself with support and feedback the whole way through. You'll leave the program feeling confident and ready to work with others and with the option of becoming a certified change coach. This program is unlike any other in terms of the personal feedback, guidance, and support you receive. 
You can check out all the details at dramyjohnson.com slash coach training. And on Monday, November 8th, I'll be hosting a webinar where you can hear all about the Change Coach Training Program from me and from a panel of graduates. You can register for the free webinar at dramyjohnson.com slash changecoachwebinar2022. And I'll put that link in the show notes.